showers of blessing, showers of blessing we need. Mercy drops around and starts falling, but for the showers we please. Amen. Recognize this morning that mercy drops are falling around you in your life. God is a merciful and faithful God. We've been teaching quite a bit about the importance of the Word of God to the child of God for quite some time. And we've pointed out numerous times that our predestined life is to be conformed to the image of the Son of God. What is that? What is that image of the Son of God? So I want to take just a few minutes this morning to kind of look at it from that point of view. The image of the Son of God. Turn with me to 1 John chapter 4. After 1 Peter. 1 John chapter 4. There are lots of attributes that Jesus Christ has as a human. He was a human for 33 and a half years. Not that he doesn't still have his body. He does. And it's a perfect body. He was able to enter heaven because it was a perfect body. He is perfect. But there are some attributes that I want us to look at that he had while on earth because we are here on earth. We have a physical body. We are living a life on earth in this sinful world as he did. And in Romans 8, 29, we know that for whom he foreknew or loved ahead of time, and we're going to look at that as being one of his attributes, a very strong attribute, because the Bible declares that he is love, that God is love. Whom he did foreknow, he also did predestinate to be conformed to the image of his Son, that he might be the first fruits among many brethren. So, Based on that fact that we know this morning, we know that we are predestined. In other words, our life had been planned out by God. That's kind of against human nature, isn't it? We don't like anybody making plans for, for us, do we? We like to plan our own right. doings. But it's important that we have that base knowledge that God has a plan for us, and that plan will reflect how Jesus was on earth. The image of the Son of God. Now yes, He's God. He is God in the Trinity. The Son. The Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. He's eternal. He's always been. Always will be. But God chose to send Him and He chose to come to earth and to live a life that God the Father would be pleased with. It was necessary because you and I were unable to live a life that pleased God the Father. And certainly we understand that this is because of the fall in the Garden of Eden and that this curse passed down on each of us. All have sinned, A-L-L, all as every one and fallen short of the glory of God. All except for Jesus. Jesus did not 
fall short of the glory of God, but he pleased the Father. And the Father, with a physical voice that was heard by physical ears, proclaimed that that was his Son, Jesus Christ, and that he was well pleased with him. And if we're to be well pleasing to God the Father today, we must be found in his Son, Jesus Christ. First John chapter 4, it's not a long chapter. Verse 1 First John 4, 1 says, Beloved, believe not every spirit, but try the spirits whether they are of God, because many false prophets are gone out into the world. This is certainly true today. Hereby know ye the Spirit of God. Every spirit that confesses that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is of God. It's what we're talking about today. He came in the flesh. He lived a human life. And every spirit, verse 3, that confesses not that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is not of God. And this is that spirit of Antichrist, whereof you have heard that it should come, and even now already is it in the world. Verse 4, ye are of God, little children, and have overcome them. How? We have overcome the false theologies. We have overcome the false little g-gods that are present in our lives and in our world, haven't we? How? Let's continue reading. You are of God, little children, and have overcome them, because greater is he that is in you. Who's in you? God. The Holy Spirit of God. Jesus Christ lives in your heart. Greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. Amen. And it's talking about Satan, the little g-god of this world. Oh, but our Lord and our Savior came in the flesh and gave freely a perfect life to please God on your behalf and on my behalf and defeated death, hell, and the grave and Satan. And he did it for us. They are of the world. Therefore speak they of the world, and the world heareth them. We are of God. He that knoweth God heareth us. He that is not of God heareth not us. Hereby know we the spirit of truth and the spirit of error. Because let us love one another, for love is of God. The first attribute of God that we're going to look at this morning is that He is loving. He's loving. Behold, let us love one another, for love is of God, and everyone that loveth is born of God, and knoweth God. He that loveth not knoweth not God, for God is love. What kind of love could anybody ever show you that would compare to what Jesus Christ showed and did for you on the cross of Calvary? There is no greater love anywhere. Verse 9, In this was manifested the love of God toward us, because that God sent His only begotten Son into the world that we might live through Him. Here in his love, not that we loved God, but that he loved us. Do you know him this morning? It's because he knew you first. You love him this morning? It's because he already loved you and cared for you and brought you into a knowledge of himself to save your soul. Verse 10 says, Here in his love, not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his Son to be the propitiation for our sins. Beloved, if God so loved us, we ought also to love one another. No man has seen God at any time. If we love one another, God dwelleth in us, and his love is perfected in 
us. So he dwells within us as we live this life, as we walk this path that he's put us on, the path that he's already made, he's already paved the way because he lived on this earth. And he did it in accordance with God's law, didn't he? Which we are unable to do. But he did it for us, you see. Verse 13, Hereby know we that we dwell in him and he in us, because he hath given us of his Spirit. And we have seen and do testify that the Father sent the Son to be the Savior of the world. Whosoever shall confess that Jesus is the Son of God, God dwelleth in him, and he in God. You see, that's how it's done. That's how we're able to live a life for Him is because He's within us. He not only has a plan for our life, but He's working that plan. He's keeping what I promised to keep because I couldn't. He's done what I want to do in me because I couldn't and can't do it. You see, He is the strength. He is the power. Seek the Lord and His strength. Seek His face forevermore, the psalmist said. All right. Verse 16. And we have known and believed the love that God hath to us. God is loving. God is love, and he that dwelleth in love dwelleth in God, and God in him. Herein is our love made perfect. Listen to this. Herein is our love made perfect, that we may have boldness in the day of judgment. Because as he is, so are we in the world. You see, our life is to be a reflection of him, a reflection of his life here on earth. We're to be like him, aren't we? And we are being like him. Because God, in His power, is fulfilling His plan. Remember, you're predestined by Him, by God, who has all power in heaven and earth, to be changed or conformed to His image. In other words, you look at an image. An image is seen, right? So we are seen as a reflection of Him, the way He lived His life on this earth. Always seeking to please the Father. That's us. That's how we live our life. Oh, and Jesus Christ is forgiving, isn't he? He's loving. He's forgiving. Praise God that he is. 7 and 8, we were in First John 4. 7 and 8 said, Beloved, let us love one another, for love is of God, and everyone that loveth is born of God, and knoweth God. He that loveth not knoweth not God. For God is love. In chapter 1 of 1 John, we read these words. 1 John chapter 1 and verse 6 says, If we say that we have fellowship with him and walk in darkness, we lie and do not the truth. Well, we talked about darkness previously in, in, uh, in these studies, and it's the absence of light, isn't it? It is. Without God, everything's dark, isn't it? It makes no sense. 
If we say we have fellowship with him and walk in darkness, we lie and do not the truth. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship one with another, and the blood of Jesus Christ's Son cleanses us from all sin. If we say that we have no sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. Now, verse 9, if we confess our sins, he, God, Jesus Christ, is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Oh, he he tells us uh, in his model prayer, forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. We have trouble with that last part, don't we? We do. But not him. He doesn't have trouble with that last part as we forgive those who trespass against us. You remember when they were crucifying him, the guards were crucifying him? You remember what that's like? They drove nails through him. I get a little cut on my finger and I'm about ready to give up. They drove nails to his feet and his hands and they hung him on a cross where he couldn't breathe because his own weight was pulling down on him. While they were doing that, you remember what he said? He said, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. Wow. Makes me feel pretty bad about not forgiving those who trespass against me. It humbles me, doesn't it? Absolutely. Oh, he is so faithful to forgive. Jesus Christ was humble. Another one we have trouble with, isn't it? That's because a natural man builds up pride within himself, isn't he? And again, I said natural man because it's a natural thing. It's a natural tendency for us to be proud of ourselves. It is. But I tell you, Jesus showed humility all through his life, didn't he? Yes, he did. To begin with, he was born. He was a newborn. I was at market yesterday, and there was a lady walking around with a three-day-old baby in a carriage. I'm talking tiny, three days old. You know that Jesus was three days old at one time. And he was as vulnerable as that little infant. Now that's humble. Remember, he's the son of God. He humbled himself to death for us. There's no room for pride in this new heart, is there? No. Because we see him, don't we? We see him and we realize that he deserves all the praise and we can only humble ourselves and thank him for what he's done for us. You remember, he he talked that the first will be last, the greatest among you, he said, should be your servant or serve you. Uh, He was certainly the greatest among the disciples, yet he took on the part, if you will, the normal task of a servant, and he washed their feet. 
Peter, now he had a lot of respect for him. He knew that he was the Son of God. And he expressed his feelings about what he was doing by saying, not going to watch me. You're too great for that. But the Lord straightened him out, didn't he? He said, well, if I don't, if I don't wash you, then I don't have anything to do with you. Basically, that's what he said. Peter changed his tune, didn't he? He said, well, just wash me all over then. My head too. He humbled himself as an example for us. And when we realize that we're saved by grace, unmerited favor, that we didn't have any strength to apply to it or for it, that causes us to be humble, doesn't it? Before an almighty Savior. Jesus is compassionate. He was moved, you remember, he was moved to compassion about the crowd. They had gathered to hear him. They were hungry, tired, I'm sure, maybe sunburned. We don't know. But we know that he was moved with compassion for the multitude because they were fainted and they were scattered abroad like sheep without a shepherd. He had compassion on them. Having compassion on others for us is a reflection of the character of Jesus Christ. He had compassion. Remember the shortest uh, verse in the Bible? Jesus wept. Why did he weep? He knew that he was going to raise Lazarus from the dead. But he loved Lazarus. He loved Lazarus' sisters. They wept. And having compassion for what they were feeling and going through, not knowing, he knew he was going to raise Lazarus, but they didn't. They didn't know what God was going to do through him, him being God himself. And he wept with them. He wept with them. He's a compassionate Savior. He loves you. He feels what you're going through. He's been there and done that, you might say. Oh, and one of his attributes is his gentleness. Matthew 5, 7, he said, Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called the sons of God. I've been in that role a lot in my life for some reason. God's reason, I'm sure. I can think of many, many situations where I've between two been beat, put between two people who were in some disagreement with each other or some some uh, problem between them, and I've been put in between that to make peace between them. I just I, I see it. I've seen it over and over. I'm sure you have too. That's that's one of the things uh, that we go through. Uh, with others. Blessed are the peacemakers. Those who bring the gospel of peace to others. The Bible says they have beautiful feet, doesn't it? Something like that. Jesus 
showed self-control, didn't he? That's another hard one for this natural man, isn't it? Self-control. He was in total control when he was taken up to the mountain and tempted by Satan, wasn't he? Probably in his lowest physical state. Like 40 days with nothing to eat. In his weakest state, he was in total control. And he knew how to defeat and overcome every temptation of the enemy, didn't he? Same way we do. How is that? With the Word of God. He used the Word of God, didn't he? What did he keep saying over and over to the enemy? It is written. It is written. And God's Word cuts through all that nonsense and temptation, doesn't it? It is sharper than any two-edged sword. The Lord is patient. Turn with me to 1 Timothy, and we'll close there. 1 Timothy chapter 1. First Timothy chapter 1. Now we know this is Paul writing to Timothy. First Timothy chapter 1 and verse 15. And we know this verse because uh, the application that Paul makes uh, to himself here, uh, we feel like it applies to us. This is a faithful saying and worthy of all acceptation that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners of who I am chief. And yes, we see the life of Saul and Paul and we realize why he felt that way. It causes us to feel the same way when we realize that we we're part of that all who have uh, fallen short of the glory of God. Howbeit, verse 16, Paul says, For this cause I obtained mercy. For what cause? The cause being that he felt like he was the worst sinner ever. Why did God choose the low things of the world, the lowly, like me, to preach the gospel of Jesus Christ. I feel the same way that Paul did, the chief of sinners. I don't deserve to be loved by God as I am. How be it, or but for this cause I obtained mercy, that in me first Jesus Christ might show forth what all long suffering. That's patience. That's patience. Jesus Christ might show forth all long suffering for a pattern or an example to them which should hereafter believe on him to life everlasting. That's you, brothers and sisters. A pattern. This is how God works, isn't it? Remember, we were talking about his humility. He stated that the first shall be last, the last first. The greatest of you shall serve you. He uses the simple things of life. 
to bring forth the complexities of his great salvation. The gospel of Jesus Christ according to the scriptures. That's important, isn't it? May God bless the reading of his word. This his day.